0: Glad everybody had a great spring break, Made had an incredible trip, we had some birthdays recently in this general vicinity, happy birthday, uh, I, just, I can't emphasize enough, if you guys get a chance for hanging out after this or in the, the coming weeks, ask those people what happened when they're on that trip, yeah. I've heard just a, a fraction of the stories and God showed up and did some incredible things both in their lives and through their lives. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I stayed here for most of spring break. We got to go do like maybe like a little bit over 24 hours. We went to Fredericksburg, Texas, hung out with the German folk. Uh, I think we have a picture of my wife and my daughter. Uh, we got to do uh, some fun things. It's a library, it's an old library there. We got to hang out in for a little bit, walk around to the expensive uh, shops that we couldn't afford anything in, so we just look and then move on to the next shop and keep looking. Uh, We got to do some authentic German food, Uh, got to go to a cool museum, which we'll actually talk about in a little bit, but it was great, and it's good to be back. I'm glad we're back here tonight. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been here this semester, even a few times, that our sermon series we've been going through this semester, there's this overarching theme of dying to yourself. We've talked about uh, how we belong to Jesus. We've talked about discipleship, God's dreams for our lives. Uh, our rights, community, injustice, acceptance, all with this overarching theme of dying to ourselves. So if you're like me and you like to know what's happening, where we're going, where we're headed, if you like to know what's gonna happen before it happens, I'll give you a brief snapshot of what we're gonna talk about tonight. If you don't like that, if you like surprises, there's gonna be some surprises, okay? (laughs) A little bit of something for everybody. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to cover a little bit of the why behind our choice. Why why have we chosen to talk about that this semester? We're going to look at some broad practicals, and then we'll narrow down on some specific applications with some surprises thrown in there. Before we do any of that, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we're grateful to be back together. Uh, We're grateful that we're going to hear from you tonight. We pray that as you speak to us, that we would be uh, listeners Jesus, that we would be willing to do what you're asking of us tonight. God, we're grateful that you're going to show up. You're going to reveal your heart to us. You're going to reveal your character to us, Jesus. We pray that we would leave here and we wouldn't be the same. We love you, God. Would you help us? Amen. Amen. So what I'm going to say next isn't going to come as a shock to anybody who's heard me. Do anything from (laughs) preaching all the way down to teach a small group lesson. But we're going to look at the why. We're going to look at the why. Uh, And we're going to ask this question. Why do we do the things we do and who do we do them for? Why do we do the things we do and who do we do them for? If you have not written this down before, I'd encourage you to do this. Uh, Oftentimes when I journal or write, uh, take notes during sermons, I'll write these big important truths across an entire page. So that when I go back to look through it, there's no possible way I could miss it. Okay? So I'm a person that loves the why behind things. I'm always asking why. I've been inquisitive my whole life. Uh, I love to know the reason things are the way they are, why things work. It could be about anything. I just wanna know why things are the way that they are. It's the reason I studied economics in college. It's the reason that uh, my wife is often frustrated with me because I, I always wanna know why. Yeah. She'll ask me a question and I'll say, why did you ask me that question? I'm just, saying, I'm, just, I'm just asking a question, there's no reason. And I would say, there's always a reason. There's always a reason. I would say, there's not a reason, stop asking me. I'll say, are you sure, but why are you asking me? And usually she stops talking to me for a little bit. But why? Why are we spending so much time this semester talking about dying to ourselves? Yeah, yeah. To help answer that question, we're going to read John 15, verse 9 through 17. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along with me. John 15, starting in verse 9, says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. There's a a couple of things we can unpack from this. Firstly, we we could spend some time talking about it. We don't have enough time tonight, but Jesus calls us friends, which is pretty (laughs) incredible in and of itself. So right there off the bat, Jesus calls us friends. That's super cool. Secondly, we see that dying to ourselves must always find its root or its motivation in love. If God's a God of motive, he's always looking at our heart. He so quickly cuts through all the facades and the the man-made things that we put up, the the fronts that we put up, and he looks at what's in our heart. Mm -hmm. So it's possible to do something that seems righteous, to die to yourself, and it's possible to do that with the wrong motive. So we have to have the right motive. We have to find uh, motivation in love. It's right there in the middle of the passage. He says, There's no greater love than this that you would lay down your life for your friend. It's a double meaning there, right? Obviously, he's talking about uh, literally, right? It's an honorable thing to do to lay down your life for somebody else that they would live. And also he's talking about what we've been covering this semester. He's talking about dying to yourselves, taking all those things we've talked about, your rights, your right to acceptance, your dreams, your, your hopes, the things that God's granted you, your talents, the money that he's given you, your resources, and having open hands and saying, Jesus, do what you want with these things. We want your will for our lives. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the ultimate example. We see that he literally died so that we could be reconciled to him. But he also spent 33 years of his life, every choice he made during those times, choosing for the highest good of God and those around him, choosing unselfishly, choosing perfectly because he loves us. So what that means is every single choice he made for 33 years was a choice to pick up the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's super important that final decision to go to the cross. Yeah. But if Jesus doesn't live a perfect life for 33 yeah. years, if he, uh, the same life that we have, the same earth we live on, the yeah. same temptations, the same frustrations, yeah. but, he, but he doesn't do it perfectly, every decision yeah. out of love and unselfishness, then the sacrifice he makes doesn't work. We needed a perfect, blameless, spotless lamb because we couldn't be that. So all of those choices leading up to that are important. You see, we have a community here of brothers and sisters that I would give my life for, and I'm confident that they would do the same for me. And I know this for two reasons. Firstly, for years, just like we just talked about, like Jesus, they've chosen unselfishly for my highest good and the highest good of God and his kingdom. Literally, this iPad, If I, I would not have this iPad to preach from if Andrew and Beth hadn't given it to me. Yeah. They could have sold it for probably a lot of money, and instead they chose to give it to me. Yeah. Jonathan and Pam take care of my daughter, Claire, like every other week when I go to the dentist or do whatever else I've got to do, and I, they do the same thing for the Scroggins kids, and for Nolan, and for Alice, yeah. and they've got a, a child of their own to take care of, yeah. but they love our kids, and they love us, and they're willing to die to themselves and sacrifice for other people. When my wife was pregnant with my daughter uh, a couple years ago, right in the middle of the pregnancy, I was away in Dallas for a conference and she became like severely ill. Like we would end up in the hospital for a little bit over a week, like 24 hours a day, couldn't keep any food down, just throwing up all the time. But that first night I was gone and I was away in Dallas and Ryan and Casey, we're with my wife and they took her to the hospital and they stayed up all night with her until I could get there. Yeah. You see, it's a community built on those small choices, choosing unselfishly for the highest good of somebody yeah. else. Yeah. And secondly, we've all fought together to see people reconciled to Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're bonded forever for our service to the King and our shared calling to join the battle for people's eternities. Yeah. There's something that bonds people together. There's something about the, the shared purpose of seeing people reconciled to Jesus that will bond you together forever. And that brings us where we're going tonight. Uh, I told you we'd come back to it. When we were in Fredericksburg, we got to go to the National Museum of the Pacific War, okay? Uh, I'm a history nerd, so I was stoked on it. My wife was less stoked, Uh, but it's pretty incredible. And you're probably thinking to yourself, why is is this museum in Fredericksburg, Texas, of all places? there's a man named Admiral Chester Nimitz, and none of you are gonna know who that is, but he's literally in charge of the entire theater of war in the Pacific, right? So in World War II, we fought in Europe and we fought in the Pacific. Whole Pacific, he's in charge. And he happens to be from Fredericksburg, Texas. And there's this section in the museum dedicated to him, but there's this, all these other stories and, and um, exhibits and all these things about all these people who served in World War II in the Pacific. And as a picture of it I uh, will throw up behind me. There's an outdoor section in the museum that's got this carved into stone here. And it's hard to read there, but I'll read it to you. Uh, Is a quote from a man named E.B. Sledge. Now, Eugene Sledge uh, was a young man. He served, basically, we would call him a boy, in World War II uh, in, the, in the theater of the Pacific, and he was in terrible, horrible battles, like places like Pelelu and Okinawa, and saw terrible things. And as far as I understand it, he's a believer, and he would literally take notes about what was going on in the pocket New Testament that he had. And he'd keep it in his pocket, and he'd take it out, and he'd write notes in it. And he would survive the war, and he'd go on to write books and become a professor. Those books have been turned into movies and TV shows some of you have probably seen. But he said this, and they carved it into stone at the museum. He said until the millennium arrives and countries cease trying to enslave others it will be necessary to accept one's responsibilities and be willing to make sacrifices for one's country as my comrades did as the troops used to say if the country is good enough to live in it's good enough to fight for with privilege goes responsibility There's a couple things to unpack here firstly He's very optimistic. He wrote this pre the year 2000, which most of you don't remember. But he's optimistic that by the year 2000, when the millennium comes, that we're not gonna be at war anymore, we're not gonna be enslaving people. He was optimistic. I don't think we're gonna see that uh, this side of eternity. But secondly, he's uncovering a truth there. Obviously, uh, what he's talking about is that if America is good enough to live in, it's good enough to fight for. But he's uncovered a kingdom truth. We have a privilege, we all live in America, right? We're privileged, but we also are part of the kingdom of God. We have the ultimate privilege. We've had our lives transformed. We're sons and daughters of the king. So what we see is now it's time that we were about our father's business. With privilege goes responsibility. I'll share with you, most of you probably don't know, I'll share with you a little bit of my story. uh, Because the Bible says, let your growth be evident to all. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I was blessed by parents who loved the Lord. Uh, So I was in church from a a young age. Uh, um, By the time I got to high school, uh, I'd been in church for a while. I had some radical experiences with Jesus in high school. Got to go on a a mission trip to Mexico in the mountains of Mexico, ministering in villages. Saw incredible things. My friend, uh, Johnny, who's allergic to literally everything in the world, Ingested something that he wasn't supposed to Didn't have an EpiPen Should have died And we prayed for him and God healed him yeah. We saw incredible things on that trip Just like that After that trip, not long after that I would go to this conference in Houston With a cheesy church name called Acquire the Fire Acquire the Fire it Sounds like a youth conference to me And we, it was thousands Thousands of high school students in Houston In this yeah. big giant church And Jesus' culture was the worship band. Uh, And here we are, I'm I'm at the front, thousands of people in this huge auditorium. And God gave me a vision and in in a moment it was like the whole place was empty and it was just me. And Jesus walked through the back door and he walked up to me and he said, your life's not gonna be the normal American dream every day, nine to five. And that's it, that's what he said. And as a high schooler, I had no clue what that meant, right? I didn't know what that looks like, and I was terrified of it. So I ran away from that in a very apathetic way. Uh, And we'll come back to that. But after these things, after this Mexico trip, after this experience with God at this conference, I would come back and get a chance to share in front of the youth group or in front of the church. And I would share, and people afterwards would be like, man, someday that guy could be a preacher. And I would laugh at them. and. Fast forward to senior year of high school. My school required that you write a senior thesis in order to graduate. So I wrote a 20-page senior thesis uh, about why I believe that NASA deser- deserves more money from the federal government, because I'm a nerd, okay? You can go right now to Target, and like, it's cool to wear NASA stuff now, like, I'll be out on campus and be like, NASA, you like NASA? And they're like, I don't know, it's just a hat man, it's product. <laughs> like, I liked, I, like, I liked NASA, right? I'm a nerd about space. And we had to, so we wrote this paper, 20-page paper, and we had to memorize 10 to 15 pages of it, get it up in front of hundreds of people, recite it from memory, and then answer questions from a panel of judges. And I did this, and then afterwards, again, I had people that were like, Somebody that guy could preach. And I literally laughed in their faces. I literally laughed in their faces. And jokes on me, because look where we are, okay? But I didn't understand. I, I didn't trust Jesus with my future. I didn't understand what it could look like. And so it was, it was scary to me. By the time I got to college, I was, I was apathetic. I had these incredible experiences with Jesus, but I didn't want to do things that were outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. I am what you would call an introvert. I love being around people, but I recharge when I'm by myself, right? Yeah. I could spend so much time by myself and be totally fine, right? Pandemic, when we were all stuck inside, could have done that for a couple more years and been stoked on it. Okay? But what does that mean? That means that, Being around people, spending my time with people, dying to those parts of my personality wasn't something that I was comfortable with. But I got to college and I met a guy named Josh, and Josh to this day is great at loving people. And I was in Josh's small group and I learned a lot, but ultimately what I learned is how to love people. And we see this cycle of spending time with Jesus, abiding with him, having a radical experience with him, and then him calling us to a greater responsibility. To love the people around us We see it here in John Directly before the passage we just read In John 15 The very beginning of John 15 is what we would call like The abiding like, portion of the Bible If yeah. you're talking about abiding yeah. John 15 is your, your, your chapter yeah. So we see this over and over again When we spend time with Jesus We understand his heart and his character better Subsequently we start to look like him And act like him and we start to love what he loves, which is the people around us. Yeah. And what's the best way to love people? What well, we just saw. The best way to love people is to lay down our lives so they can be reconciled to God. Yeah. That's why we're doing this. That's what all this is about. Kaiopha, literally in the Greek, if you took the Greek letters. Uh, Kaiopha stands for Christ's ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. Yeah. We implore you on his behalf to be reconciled to God. Yeah. Yeah. So whether you realize it or not, anytime you walk on campus and you're wearing our Alpha T-shirts, that's what you're declaring to the world. You're saying, this is what I care about. I care about people being reconciled to Jesus. A yeah. yeah. uh, shirt can say a lot about you as a person, the things yeah. you value. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. Uh, right before high school, probably like eighth grade, uh, I'm gonna regret it, but we've got a picture we can put up. <laughs> This is 8th grade James. Props, if if you have good enough eyes and you can tell me afterwards who the drummers are in those pictures, you get bonus points. But around this time, I was at the store, my mom and I were at the store, and I was looking for t-shirts, and I was, at this time in my life, all about classic rock. My dad grew up in the 60s and 70s, loved classic rock. My older brother, who I look up to in all things in life, loved classic rock, so I was about it. And I go to buy the shirt, and I look, and there's a Led Zeppelin t shirt. And I'm like, sweet, Led Zeppelin t shirt. I love John Bonham, the drummer for Led Zeppelin is arguably the best drummer who's ever lived. So I like, Mom, can I buy this t shirt? And she was like, I don't know about that. But you can call your dad and ask him. So I call my dad, and I'm like, Dad, can I buy this Led Zeppelin t shirt? And he says, No, you cannot do that. And at the time, I wasn't too bummed about it. I was like, Oh, okay, that's weird. I guess I won't buy the t shirt. No big deal. And it wasn't. Until years later that I understood why he didn't want me to buy the t-shirt. Led well, Zeppelin's music is fairly innocuous in and of itself, but John Bonham, one of my favorite drummers of all time, died tragically of a drug overdose. Yeah. I could tell you things about their guitarist, Robert Plant, that would make you sick. Yeah. So these men stood for things that were completely wholly different, separate, set apart from the things of God, yeah. but also didn't represent who I was as a person. Yeah. If anything says, drugs and rock and roll it's not that guy right and my dad knew that and he was looking out for me okay so if our shirts say that much about what we stand for how much more should our words and our actions speak to who we stand for our good friend Andrew Murray says this he says fruit reveals the nature of the tree from which it comes fruit reveals the nature of the tree from which it comes So we see this cycle, we're gonna keep talking about it tonight. We abide with Jesus, we spend time with him, he transforms us, he makes us look different, and then we go out and put our hands to the things he's asked us to do, which is to love people, to die to ourselves, so that they can be reconciled to him. The cool thing is this, is that Jesus is gonna help us. Jesus won't ever ask you to do anything you can't handle, and he'll never ask you to do anything that he won't help you do. We see this in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, starting in verse 19, says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So right there after that commandment, what he's asking of all of us who would call ourselves Christians is him telling us, I'm going to be with you, it's going to be okay. We see this all over the Bible. Again, in Isaiah 41, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Yeah. Jesus isn't going to ask you to do anything that he won't help you do. Yeah. If You fast forward in my time in college. Uh, I graduated college, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I could make two choices. I could go into the business world, or I could give Jesus a year and do the internship program and say yeah. I'm going to try college ministry and being a minister full time and then yeah. I'll pray about doing that for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's what I decided to do. And you may not know this, but all of us who are on staff are missionaries. In the yeah. same way that the missionaries we've met all over the world are, we've just been called to college campuses. Specifically, yeah. we've been called here. So what that means is Chi doesn't pay me. The offering doesn't pay us. Yeah. We have... A team of people, friends, families, churches, who support us financially because they believe in what God is doing in our hearts and our lives, and they want to invest in what God is doing at Angelo State. So as an intern, I graduated college, and right after I graduated college, days after, I went on a trip to Oman in the Middle East for two weeks. So I get back from that, now it's almost June, and June we have... For interns, some of you who are going to do it this summer, you get to go to what's called RUI, and it's a training for interns. So I show up to this training, and I've raised this much money. I've raised zero dollars, okay? Of thousands of dollars that I need to raise per month. Zero. And there's people there, like my good friend Annel, who's probably going to be president one day, who are already like, I'm 50%, 75% done. And I show up, and I'm like, zero percent done. And I'm like, all right, this is... This is not uh, the start that I wanted. And so one of the first nights we get done playing soccer, because of course we were playing soccer, yeah. and everybody else walks away. And I remember sitting on a brick wall, and I told Jesus, I, if, if this comes down to me, and my skill set and my ability to raise the money, and to call people, and talk to people, if it's on me and my ability, it's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to help me, Jesus. Yeah. And I remember so clearly feeling the presence of God in a way I never had before, And understanding implicitly that Jesus is gonna help me. And here we are years later, there has not been a year where Jesus hasn't helped me. We see this this cycle. If you love words that rhyme, you could say this. We abide, right? We die to ourselves and we rely. We abide, die, rely. That's the overview, a very brief overview of this overarching why. Why are we talking about this this semester? So now we we've covered the brief overview, let's look at A practical. We see that time is the most important resource we have. More than anything else in life, what we spend our time doing daily and ultimately across the span of our whole lives speaks to what we value. An easy way to say it is this, you make time for what you care about. You make time for what you care about. This isn't just a kingdom truth or a biblical truth. The rest of the world believes this and I've seen this to be true as well. We're not gonna do it right now, we won't take time right now, but I encourage you when you get home to do this, to look at your schedule, and sit down and pick a day yeah. Be like, all right, on Mondays, starting from the moment I wake up and all the way to when I go to sleep, schedule out to the minute, everything you are doing in your life. Yeah. And what this does is it helps us examine what we spend the most time doing. Yeah. Yeah. What is it that we're valuing? And if we can get this now, I promise you, it's gonna set you up well for the future. A lot of you are, I know you're thinking right now, you're thinking, James, I'm so busy, you don't even understand how busy I am. And the good news is, I do understand how busy you are, because I was once exactly where you are, and I thought, I'm so busy, I don't have that much time. And then I graduated, and then I got a job, and I realized, man, I had more time than I thought I did in college. And then after that, I got married to my wonderful wife, and now we share time together, which is awesome, but now I have less time for other things. And then we have a daughter who's wonderful and I love her, but if I don't spend time taking care of her, she won't be alive. So I have to spend, I get to spend time with her, right? And so, but now I have less time for other things. Yeah. And you can see how this goes. Uh, I'm gonna talk, uh, Scroggins isn't here, Katie is. So I'm gonna talk about Scroggins behind his back. Katie yeah. to her face, unless you wanna turn around and talk about you behind your back. But Scroggins and Katie, I have, I have one, one child. Yeah. Strath Kitty, Katie, if you've seen them running around tonight, they have five, childs, five children, okay? So what does that say? What does that show you? Is that any time that they're spending, like investing in you, inviting you to their home yeah. to have dinner, all those things that they do is them showing you how much they value you. They have every right to tell the world, like, sorry, we have food to make for our children, we have dishes to do, we have laundry to do, right? But instead, they've invested time, they've died to themselves and they've invited people in because they value you so much. We have to learn to give God the best hours of our day, not just the leftovers. The best hours of our day not the leftovers. That's different for different people. Some of you are maybe like my wife. She wakes up in the morning and she's just up and she's chipper and she's like awake. And then she turns to me and she's like, it's time to be awake! And I need like 15 to 20 minutes to wake up in the morning. Morning is not for me. Is so, anybody a morning person? Morning people? Couple of you? Yeah? Okay, I am the exact opposite of this. I am a night person. Is so, anybody a night owl? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. To me, my most favorite hours of the day are between the hours of 11 p.m. and 3 a.m., okay? The world is quiet, nobody expects anything of me, and I can do whatever I want, right? But that comes, at a cost. those are my best hours, right? And I can spend time, that's when I, Prepped for this sermon, I yeah. can read good books, I can spend time abiding with Jesus. Yeah. But that's only if I'm disciplined, right? Yeah. I can also do the opposite of that, Boy, right? And true. I can that's eat true. an entire <laughs> sleeve of Oreos and stay up till two in the morning and watch the Mandalorian when it comes out yeah. at Ooh. two AM. I told you, space nerd. Okay, but we have to learn to be disciplined yeah. to give Jesus the best hours of our day. Yeah. We also don't need to be afraid of empty times of our day. We can use those to be with Jesus. Maybe for you, it's driving to and from places or waiting in line or walking to class. So often, we're in these empty times and we're like, have just a brief moment and we're like, where's my phone? I gotta watch a video. I gotta listen to music. I gotta text my friends. But what if these small portions of time we gave to Jesus, then over the days, weeks, months, years, those small portions of time add up to extravagant time with Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you that guy Josh when he met me uh, when I was going to college. I knew about Kai Alpha, my one of my heroes in the in the world. His name's Eli Gotru. He preached. Uh, he was the pastor at San Jose State Kai Alpha. He came to preach at my church before I went to college, and he was like, "Raise your hand if you're gonna be a Bearcat. You're gonna be a freshman." And I did not raise my hand, okay, because I didn't want him to know who I was. I knew about guys who were in Kai Alpha, and they want they were like looking for me to try and get me in their small group. And I successfully avoided that happening for all of two weeks, okay? And two weeks in, I'm standing out of the James Olson Auditorium. I'm waiting for history class. This is like a freshman class. So there's hundreds of people. And I see this guy and he's talking to this girl and he's pointing at me. And he's talking to this girl and he's pointing. And I did a thing where you're like, like he's pointing, Surely he's pointing and then there's like a wall behind me. So he's, he's talking to me. And he walks over. Because God has a sense of humor, I'm wearing that t shirt from that conference, the cheesy Christian shirt that says Acquire the Fire of Jesus Culture on the shirt. And he walked over and he pointed at me and he said, You like Jesus Culture? I said, Yeah. He said, We're going to be best friends. And gosh darn it if he wasn't right. We've been good friends for over a decade. I'm literally going to be in his wedding this summer. Woo! But what Josh did a lot for all of us, Jonathan can attest he was in smoking with me that semester. Josh gave up so much of his time yeah. to be with us. Anything I wanted to do, Josh was there. Yeah. I wanted to go rock climbing, Josh was there. I wanted to go longboarding, <laughs> Josh was longboarding. To this day, Josh is not good at rock climbing <laughs> or longboarding. He was not doing those things because that's what he enjoyed or that was his skill set. Yeah. He was making time to spend with me. Yeah. Even more than just giving up his own time to be with me, to create a relationship, I know for a fact, that he gave up his own time to pray for me. He made time in his day to pray for the people that God had given him to love and to share Jesus with. And he still does that to this day. And that leads us to the specifics for tonight. I believe that God is asking us to be a people who pray, who make time specifically to intercede and to pray for other people. If you looked at the definition of prayer, prayer is two things. It's an experience to be had with God, and it's a work to be done for God. And this follows the flow we talked about before. What God does in us, he wants to do through us. Jesus exemplified this idea. He knew how to get alone with God. If we look at Matthew 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to be by himself to pray. Again, in Luke 5, 15, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places places and prayed. Yeah. He knew how to abide with the Father. Yeah. If we want God to transform our lives, we have to spend time with him, seeking to understand his heart and his character. And yeah. we could go through an entire sermon series for probably years <laughs> about abiding with Jesus and our personal experience with him in prayer, but tonight we're focused on that second part of the definition. What God does in us, He wants to do through us. Prayer is a work to be done for God. Yeah. We have the privilege of coming alongside Jesus and taking part in His work. In 1 Corinthians 3.9 it says, we are co-laborers in Christ. Yeah. What that means is we get to work with God to help determine the outcome events in the world. Yeah. It's pretty cool and it's a privilege. Yeah. We see this, that prayer isn't just preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Prayer isn't just preparation for the battle, it is the battle. All of us here tonight, everybody in the world, is being pushed one of two places. We are being pushed closer to Jesus, we are being pushed further away from Jesus. And every decision that I make, every decision that you make, just like Jesus those 33 years, is either pushing people closer to Him or further away. And there's this battle that's happening for people's eternities. Ultimately, there's a destination we're gonna end up. You're gonna end up away from Jesus forever or with Jesus forever. And the battle takes place in prayer. Jesus is inviting us to fight for people's eternities, to do exactly what we we call ourselves, to be Christ's ambassadors. Intercession and or praying for people can take a lot of different forms, but just like we talked about before, it always has to find its motivation and its foundation in love. Whether we're praying for someone to know Jesus, whether we're praying for them to be healed or have a renewed relationship with Him, or just that they would feel His love and presence, yeah. we have to be unselfishly choosing for their highest good, and ultimately the highest good of God and His kingdom. Yeah. Our friend Richard Foster says this, if we genuinely love people, we desire for them far more than is within our power to give, and that will cause us to pray. Yeah. The Bible is full of examples of intercessory prayer. Moses interceded on behalf of the Israelites, during their exodus and subsequent 40 years of wandering in the yeah. desert, Abraham interceded on behalf of the righteous in the city of Sodom. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, years later, would intercede for the people of Israel without regard to his own safety. Yeah. In Isaiah 53, we see a foretelling of the greatest intercessor of all time, Jesus. Isaiah 53:12 says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. And again in Romans 8:34, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. What we're going to see is that prayer is transgenerational. Prayer and discipleship go hand in hand. Yeah. In other words, I want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's yeah. transgenerational. I also want to pray for people who pray for people who pray for people. All of these things that we're talking about are intertwined and linked. discipleship, prayer, dying to ourselves. So if we want to learn to be people that are interceders or people that pray for others around us, I think the first place to start is to thank God for the people that have been praying for us. Uh, Like I said, I'm blessed to have uh, parents that love Jesus. My grandparents on both sides love Jesus. Like when my sweet elderly grandmother calls me and like, tells me that she's praying for me, that's worth way more to me than anything she could ever give me, money or anything else, because I know that she has a relationship with God and she fights for things to look the way he wants them to in prayer. Uh, In 2014, when I graduated and I did the internship program, that was the year I met my wife. Um, About uh, two months into meeting my wife, uh, we found out that her mom was sick, her mom had cancer. And two weeks after that, a few weeks after that, right after Thanksgiving, uh, in 2014, her mom went to be with Jesus. And so I was with her when she found out, immediately like grab clothes, leave, go to the hospital, with her family in the hospital, uh, like I'm, I'm killing it, like I'm strong, I'm there for everybody, I'm not crying, I'm doing it. For days, we're like in her family home, like where she grew up and we're getting ready for the funeral. I'm killing it, like, I'm strong, I'm doing, it's great, everything's going great, couldn't be going better. And then I I take a walk, and I I walk past, here's proof that I'm a nerd about space, I walk past Gene Cernan's house. It turns out that my wife grew up next to Gene Cernan. If you don't know who that is, because you don't care about NASA, he was the last man to walk on the moon. 1972, he walked on the moon, and we haven't been back since, because we're big dum-dums, and the government doesn't care about it, okay? So Space Nerd, I told you, I walked past his house, okay? And I, and I realized, all right, I haven't, I haven't told my family about this. And what's true of my grandparents is also true of my mom. She's a person who prays. Yeah. You know, at the end of church, when the pastor is like, all right, if you need prayer, you can come up and these wonderful people pray with you. She's the wonderful people. She's yeah. there every week to pray for people. Yeah, yeah. She's a part of all sorts of prayer ministries. Yeah. So I call her and I tell her what's happening and I'm, I tell her what, what's, what's going on. And she doesn't just say, all right, I'm going to pray for you. Like I'll be praying for you. She's like, let's pray right now on the phone, and she starts praying and immediately. You remember, yeah, I've been killing it. I've been strong. <laughs> like I'm doing great, and she starts to pray and I'm just bawling. Yeah. Not like bawling, like that's like I'm bawling. Uh, and in the moment, I was grateful for somebody who loved me yeah. and who was a person who had a relationship with Jesus who prayed. And maybe tonight you're sitting here and you're thinking, James, I don't have parents that are like that. I don't have a grandmother who loves Jesus that's in my life. I can tell you, if you're here tonight then somebody has been praying for you, yeah, yeah. if you're here tonight and the person that brought you, your small group has been praying for you. Yeah, yeah. If you're here tonight, then all of us on staff have been praying for you. Yeah. Scroggins has been praying for you. Yeah. People you don't even know. <laughs> the pastor before Scroggins, who you don't know, Pastor Heath, yeah. was praying for you. Yeah. The pastor before him, <laughs> Pastor Landon, yeah. who's now the pastor of this wonderful church, was yeah. praying for you. And the pastor before him, <laughs> when Nolan, who started Catholic <laughs> before most of you were born, was praying for you. Yeah, yeah. They were praying that for generations that God would touch Angela State, that people would be reconciled to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. here tonight, someone's been praying for you. For sure. So there's the question. And there's people that are praying for us. We start by saying thank you to, to God for them, yeah. and then that begs the question: Who are we praying for? Yeah. And the easy thing to do is to start close and work out from there in bigger circles. When was the last time you prayed for your immediate family, your close friends? When was the last time you prayed for people in your small group? Yeah. After that, the circle gets bigger. Maybe you you pray for your classmates, your coworkers. The circle gets bigger. Maybe you pray for our campus yeah. or for our city of San Angelo. Yeah the state of Texas, yeah. the United States of America, and ultimately the rest of the world. Yeah. We have met some incredible missionaries this year who are giving their lives to do what we're doing here to see people reconcile to Jesus, and they're doing it in the most parts of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of these missionaries handed you prayer cards. Yeah. So are we praying for them? The point yeah. of the card isn't just to look at a cool picture. The <laughs> point of the card is to help us remember to pray. Yeah. Yeah. What if we were known as people of prayer on campus? What if when people saw us wearing those Kyofa t-shirts, they they said to themselves, oh, those are the people that pray. Like I've got something going on in my life, I can ask those people. What if we made time, scheduled time to prayer walk, to go on campus and to pray for each building, professor, student, faculty. What if we invited the Holy Spirit to guide us as we walked on campus in those quiet moments between transitions and between classes or waiting in line? What if we asked the Holy Spirit to put people on our hearts to pray for as we pass them. What if we were bold and we went up to people and asked them, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? I've done this on campus here and campuses all over the world. I can tell you there's very few times that people have ever said no. And guess what? When they did say no, it wasn't a big deal. I said, hey, can I pray for you? And they said, no. And I said, all right, bet, have a good day. Okay, (laughs) and then I went and asked somebody else. But what I can tell you is that time to time again, I've seen God move. And there's something about us being obedient and walking up and creating that moment. And maybe those people would never have felt the presence of God in that way if we hadn't been obedient to what he's asking us to do. I think we have to make time in our schedule to intercede. This goes back to Evie Sledge. If The kingdom of God is worth being a part of. It's worth fighting for. It's worth making time for. It's worth praying for. It's worth dying for. With privilege... Goes responsibility With privilege goes responsibility The band can come back up But the question For us tonight is this Are we making time for the things of God Are we making time For the things of God And what we're going to do tonight Is exactly what we've been talking about We're going to do those three things We're going to abide with Jesus We're going to intercede And then we're going to rely on him Firstly, here's what we're going to do in a moment We're going to have time Uh, The worship band is going to play. And you can come to the front and get alone with God. Spend a moment with Him. You need to ask for forgiveness? Do it. You want Him to reveal His heart to you? He will. You want Him to expand your capacity to love people? You want Him to transform you? He will. My own life is a testament to that. And I'm continually, my heart is being expanded so I can love people around me better. God can do those things. After we've gotten alone with God, after we've abided with Him... What we're going to do tonight is we're going to pray for other people. Come to the front. Pray for friends and family that you know that haven't met Jesus yet. Maybe you've got somebody in your life who's sick, who needs healing. Maybe there's people in your small group who have family members like that. We can pray for one another. Maybe uh, we know people who are going through difficult things. We have to be a people who knows how to pray. Maybe tonight... This will stretch many of you. Maybe tonight's the first night you would go and pray out loud for somebody. Maybe you've never done that before. Yeah. And just ask them, what is it that I can pray for you about? What is God doing in your life? Yeah. What is it that you need or you're wanting from God? What if we were bold and we said yes to Jesus and we said yes to the responsibility yeah. and we were people who prayed? What if we were people who prayed, yeah. who were marked by prayer, with great privilege? Goes responsibility. Yeah. Would you stand with me tonight, Jesus? We love you, God. We're grateful for what you're doing tonight, Jesus. Thank you that you've transformed our hearts and our lives. Thank you that you've allowed us to be sons and daughters in your kingdom. Thank you for the incredible privilege that we have. God, we. We pray that you would give us discernment to know what you're asking of us, Jesus. God, that we would be people who want to see others reconciled to you. God, that we would be people who step out in obedience, who step out in what you've called us to, Jesus. God, that we would walk on campus and people would know what we're about. Not just by our t-shirts, but by our actions and our character and the way we treat people and the way we value people. God, we pray tonight that you would teach us how to intercede. Jesus, would you show up? Holy Spirit, we're grateful that you're here with us and you're going to help us. God, we pray tonight that people would be healed. We pray tonight that you would help us to step out and to spend time interceding for other people. We pray tonight that people would have their lives and their hearts transformed. Would you come and would you do a work in our hearts, Jesus? Expand our capacity to love in spite of our own personalities. Jesus, in spite of our own selfishness, in spite of all of these walls that we put up in the facade of of humanity, Jesus, which you cut to the heart, God, which you cut to our motives, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak to us, to put your finger on the things in our lives that we need to give up. Jesus, the things in our schedule, the things we've given our time to that ultimately aren't valuable, God. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We love you, God.